I can, I can just vibe to that music. That's good. How we doing? I love that energy. Now, you're going to need to give that back to me as we talk tonight because I love this axiom when we talk about the light. So, hey, if you're new here, uh, my name is Brandon. I, I'm the college director, um, and we are, you're entering into this series on what we just called axioms and fancy word for saying, hey, things that we value and want to be both as a ministry, yes, but more importantly, as individuals. Um, and so as we've dove into these things, we've looked at two previous ones. You can go check out the podcast, right? Um, if you haven't subscribed, just smash that like button. Um, I don't know. Is that still a thing? I, yeah. Yeah. Um, but you can go check that out. Um, and so this, this has been our semester leading up to uh, our fall retreat. And so this will take you two more weeks, and then we go to Glorietta. Yeah, I'm going to need a lot more, man. That's, that's some mountains. That's cool air. That's not West Texas. So sign up and go. Um, you'll hear more about that later on. But as we kind of, what's important and what do we value as a ministry here. And so that's the idea uh, of where we want to be. And so we're getting into axiom number three here. And axiom number three is simply this, that that 99% uh, in the light is still in the dark, right? Um, And so if you know my story, um, I I always can only go from where I was. And and, um, I grew up Christian context. I am a West Texas, Lubbock-raised guy. I love it here. I don't just love the people. I I love Lubbock, right? Um, I know not everybody can say that, but this is, this is me. I grew up here, and, and now I grew up in the church. Um, that was kind of my story. Uh, I didn't like the church at all. Anybody relate? Um, you're like, yeah, I still don't like it. I don't know why I'm here. Um, but uh, I, I didn't like it. I didn't understand why my dad could go play golf on Sunday mornings, and I had to go to church for like six hours and then come back at night for a whole nother service. Um, I didn't understand that. I was really resentful. Um, I think that thing has some amazing benefits now that I'm, you know, not, not in that state of anger, teenage rage anymore. Um, like, there are some amazing benefits. But here's what tended to happen as I grew into that culture. You adapt to your culture, Right? Like you can adapt to certain things. And so um, I learned how to play the Christianese kind of deal. Um, and so what would tend to happen is that that culture and, and Christian kind of, uh, what we say, moralistic deism, just Christianese church, right? There's a tendency to want to hide, right? To want to hide areas of sin and shame. So you learn this very young, right? Because somebody may judge you, uh, you know, if you're doing something that doesn't fit the moralistic code that some dude made up. I don't drive angry. I don't see radar moves unless about Jesus. I don't cuss unless I'm on the football field or whatever it may be. Um, like you have these lists of do's and don'ts and you tried to hide and cuss Cover those things up as best you could. Anybody? No. Per- I heard one. I heard one. Yeah. I, maybe it's me. I'm just lonely again. <laughs> um, because to let somebody in on the deviances of my heart and where I really was and what I really struggled was to have them look down on me. And uh, I struggle with an approval idol. Um, that's like my deal, man. And, and I struggle with that. And so when I, when, I, when I struggled with the approval idol, if anybody looked at me and disapproved of that, I would just go dark really fast. And so here's what my life began to look like. I began to have a series of compartments, 
all right? And so I compartmentalized my life really well. At church, man, I was the, the raising my hands, leadership, memorizing my scripture, Bible guy, right? Like I knew like four chords on the guitar um, and I could sing every Chris Tomlin worship song there was. Like, that, like I just did that, right? Um, at home, I switched it. I was a terrible son. Um, did not like my home, uh, even though it was a really great home. My parents loved me a lot. I just was angry all the time. And so I would just flip it off at home. Um, there are stories that are legendary in some of my classes that I used to teach. Find a student I taught at Trinity and they'll tell you about relationship problems at home. Um, it, but it wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't a place I ever felt like safe or, um, I shouldn't say that, I felt safe there, but I was just angry all the time. Um, on the basketball court, uh, my identity was all consuming with basketball. Um, from the time I was a freshman in high school throughout my career, that was all I thought about. And I was arrogant as all get out, though I was really unconfident. And so what I did was I covered it up with just enough skill to think I was better than I really was, right? Any, anybody? No? Okay. Um, and then at school, um, I just wanted my teachers to see me in a certain way. Um, so, so I would be the one behind the scenes causing all the chaos, but just far enough away from the chaos to not get in trouble for it, right? Um, I was an instigator. And, and though a lot of my life was lived in, in this context that, that cared about the Bible and, and cared about me, no one really knew the real me. No one knew the me that struggled. No one knew the me that struggled with identity issues, uh, that, that tried to fill loneliness with really unhealthy relationships. Um, that kept the, And I kept this facade up for a really long time. I mean, I kept it up throughout my, into my 20s. Um, and, and here's the deal. That facade, it left me lonely, depressed, and anxious all the time. Like, that's just kind of where I lived. Nobody was let into that. And so, so listen, maybe, maybe you didn't grow up in that context. Maybe church wasn't your deal. But, but listen, I don't think that's a unique situation to just church-going kids, right? Like, I don't think this idea to, to cover sin and shame in the darkness or those areas of our heart that we don't want anybody into and that we don't want anybody around, like, like I think this isn't unique to that, to that context. I think we all, at some level, have maybe felt this. And I think the reason is we can go back to the beginning of time. We can go back to Genesis chapter three and we can look at Genesis three and we can see where this actually comes from. Because I think culture, like everything in culture speaks to this idea of identity. It speaks to this idea of finding community. And, and listen, you've spent the last three weeks trying to impress a lot of people, haven't you? Like, especially if you're a freshman in here. Like, you're coming to a new place, a new context, whether you're Russian, whether, whether you're trying to find a club, or you're trying to find your place on campus. Like, we can tend to go, this is a fresh start for me. I'm coming to college. And then we just go back into this hiding areas that we really have never dealt with. And I think this has happened all the time. Look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 8. I think we have this up on the screen. And so this is talking about Adam and Eve after the fall, right? So, so short, long story, God creates everything and it's awesome. Um, and then uh, he says, hey, everything's cool. Just don't eat of this tree. Um, and they naturally want to eat of that tree, right? And so they were told some lies by this talking snake. And here's what happens after this. 
they, they were exposed, that they were naked, and then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden, right? So, so look at this, like, like look at the context here. They, they've just been exposed for sin and what is their first instinct to do? Hide. That's the first thing they do is like, I'm gonna hide from God, all right? Now that doesn't end well usually in the scriptures, but they're like, hey, we gotta get away from it. There's something wrong here. We, we, we don't know what, what it is, but we feel this and, we, and ultimately they hide. See, it's been around since the beginning. Like sin exposes something in us that doesn't wanna run often to God, but rather run from him. And it, it usually running to something that medicates for a moment, but then ultimately doesn't fulfill. And then look what happens after this. Go to verse 12 and 13. Look here. And the man said, he's talking to God here. Hey, what, what's happened? God's like, hey, what, what, what's going on? And look what happened. The man whom, the woman whom you gave me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. And then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you've done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me. Like then they go into blame game, right? So not only are they hiding from God, they're going into blame game and tell me you haven't done that, right? That's not my fault. It was, it was the coach's fault. It wasn't, it wasn't my fault. It was those friends' fault. It wasn't my fault. Like, and sometimes that can be like legitimately true. But more times than not, I wonder if, if that's just our natural tendency. And so listen, what we're up against when we talk about this axiom of 99% in the light is still 1% in dark, like, like that, that exposes something that's natural in our heart of where we want to run to. We think that, man, if we just hide enough and put our lives in these neat, tidy areas, we're gonna thrive. But the reality is, I think if we were, if we were really honest, is that we often feel like nobody really knows us. And we've just gotta keep up this facade just long enough until the next thing comes our way, right? Like, listen, I'm a pastor. I get to have coffee a lot, right? And, and I, it just, it's just natural. Like people, when they hear, oh, you're a pastor, like all of a sudden they've gotta be like, everything's okay. I'm like, please God, tell my kids be anything, just don't be a liar, right? Like I can really handle anything, I'm a big boy. And, and here's, here's the reality. Like we get to this point and then where do we turn from there? So if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to 1 John. 1 John chapter one is where we're gonna be. Um, tonight, we wanna look at the scriptures and see like, where do we go from this area? Where do we engage into this thing? And do the, do the, does the gospel offer us any hope to actually be known, to actually bring those areas that we are so fearful to let people into, into the light? Does the gospel offer us hope, man, or is there just something, is there something there that we're missing? So here's what our axiom says, just to reiterate what was on the video. We want you, desire, pray for, yearn, long for, our students to live lives of active repentance. And we're gonna get into that. It's a big church word, but don't worry about it. We'll get into it. We pray that they will be honest in their communities, honest with us about all sin, and not just the easier, convenient ones to confess, right? Like they're really easy ones that we can recognize. Sometimes it's those ones that, that, that play so deep below the surface that we have to really have community around us but that this confession will lead to an overflow 
of their deep belief and overwhelming mercy and grace of a good father. Like this is our hope for you. So let's see if the Bible offers anything here. All right, First John 1. If you have your Bible, look at it. If not, it's gonna be up on the screen here. First John chapter one, starting in verse five. And this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him, God, a liar, and his word is not in us. Now, let me set the foundation here to where we're going to go. The foundation is this. John is, a, is what we call a theologian. Basically, he just studies about God, right? And I think at some level, we're all theologians. We all have a view on God because what we think about God, in, it will inform the way we do everything, Right? So like if you have no belief in God, like if you're, if you're on the atheistic side of that, man, welcome here. Like I hope this is a place where you can doubt and have a lot of questions. But, what, you would, but what, what an atheist would say is the notion of God is fictitious and delusional. Like, like it's the stuff of, of fairy tales and storybooks. And listen, that's gonna shape the way you're gonna interact with the world, right? If there is no ultimate creator, if everything's just kind of, just turning emotion and either deterministic or just kind of left up to the laws of nature and there is no God interacting, then you're gonna interact with the world in a certain way, right? If, if you're agnostic, meaning this, God is, God is an unknowable possibility, right? Like there's something out there, maybe. But here's the deal. It's so distant and it's so abstract that you can't really know anything. And, and if you believe that, then it shouldn't, then that will determine how you're going to do life, right? Like maybe it's out there, but probably not, but maybe. Then you're going to deal with life that way. And then you get to the spiritual side of this, right? And so the spiritual and the religious side is all sorts of things, right? Like God's some timekeeper that just wound up time, set it there, and just letting things play out. Or he's Zeus, right? He sits on a mountain. He's angry all the time. He's gonna shoot lightning bolts at you. He's got a big, long beard. He looks like father time, right? Like, like that, that's one way to look at him. Or he's just some fairy a genie in a bottle, right? If I say the right prayer, if I do the right thing, everything in my life is gonna work out just the way I want it to. I'm gonna be rich. I'm gonna be wealthy. I'm gonna, everything is gonna go my way. And so that determines how we do life. Like all those things about God. They shape us. And this is where John is gonna start for us. Like he's gonna start here because if we were to see the gospel tonight and we only start from our end, what's gonna happen is we're gonna try to earn God's favor by doing a bunch of stuff, right? Instead of being compelled by who God is into faithful obedience, into joyful obedience, into actually what's good for us. And so this is where he goes. He says this in verse five. He said, God is light, that, that God is perfect, that there is a God, that he is a creator, that he has put everything into motion. And he doesn't just know about it, he's intimately aware of it. And so when we talk about God being holy, we just simply mean there's no sin or deception in him. That all he does is for his glory and our ultimate good. 
everything that he does. I mean, think about what light does. Think about when you walk out, even the blinding light that you're gonna walk out to, right? Or walk into Redeemer at. That it enables vision. It produces growth. It reveals beauty, right? Like it exposes blemishes. It guides and sustains, right? When, when it's dark, all those things are kind of gone. There's, there's none of that going on. And this is what God's holiness does for us. Like it's what his uprightness does. It exposes just how stained we are by sin. And not just exposed by sin, but the effects that that has on us. Like this is the beauty of this, that we don't just need moral cover-up. Like what would be easy for me to do is give you a seven-part series on how to, you know, feel the Holy Spirit when you're dating, right? Like I give you a 12-part series on walking with the Holy Spirit while you mow your lawn, right? Like we could go through all these things. And here's, here's what I found out so often for myself is I did the 17 things and I still felt lonely, anxious, and despairing. So then I thought there was something wrong with me. Like God did, wasn't pleased with me. Been there? But if we know that God is light, that he's actually exposing the things in our life, not to bring us down, but rather to bring us to him, then that's gonna enable the next portion of the scripture. But the first thing that you've got to get is who God is and who Jesus is, right? Like that's what we want here tonight. I love that we gather. It's one of my favorite nights of the week. I love it here. You guys energize me. But if this is all we're doing here and the gospel is not going forth and compelling us, then I think we're just gathering to an event and we'd be better off just, just to hang out somewhere else. But what we desire here is that the gospel actually is gonna move within us. And so here's what happens in verse six. He sets who God is. He sets why this is valuable by simply saying, God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. By simply setting that stage, he then moves into verse six through 10. He moves from God and acknowledging that God is light. And he moves into the way we walk and the way that we live in the light. So look here at verse six and seven. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, um, cleanses us from all sin. Now look at the contrast that he sets here. Look at the contrast between the darkness and the light. If we say we have fellowship with him and we walk in the darkness, it says that we're lying. Like if we, if we still, if we leave those things unexposed and we say, yeah, I'm walking with Jesus, but I have no love for him. I have no desire to be in his word. I have no desire for him. Then what he's saying is, man, yeah, you, you may know about God, but you don't know God. Right? Like I knew a lot about God. I didn't know him. And then look at the contrast here. He says, but if you walk in the light, you have fellowship and union with him. Like, that's beautiful. I'm not just earning my way to God, but I have union with God because I'm in the light. He has exposed me for who I really am. He has invited me in. He hasn't looked at me or thumbed his nose at me and said, hey man, you aren't worthy of coming to me. In fact, he said, I'm gonna pursue you even when you're an enemy. Even when you are blaspheming me, I'm going after you. Like, that's the God of the Bible. 
Not the God that says, climb this mountain and get to me and do all these things. Like that's the God we want to come into. So there's this contrast that John sets up that says there's cheap talk and there's authentic living, right? Like I can, I can go usually to the, if I, back in the day when, when I didn't retire from basketball, um, you'd go to the rec, man, and you could have guys that could just talk, right? And I'm on the basketball court and they're just, they're just talking. You know what's about to happen? We're about to throw the ball up and when they're about to be exposed, if that's authentic or if they're just talking, right? Like there's a way, like this happens in our Christian life, right? Like this happens in our spiritual life. Wherever you may be, it happens in life. There is a, there is a place where we can talk a lot and there's a place where we authentically live. And the result of that, when we, when we lie, the result of holding back that 1% is listen, there's no real rest because you're, you're afraid of who's gonna, be, who's gonna expose you. They're, you're deceiving yourself, like, like you're lying to yourself and then you're trying to earn favor with people who are struggling with the exact same thing that you're struggling with. Like you're trying to be something that you're not. And listen, how does that make you feel when you bury and ignore or you avoid and ignore. You ever been so wrapped up in a lie that you can't remember who you lied to? And you're like, I don't know how I'm keeping this thing together, man. And eventually what tends to happen is that comes out one way or another because you usually slip up. But in that interim time, you have no rest. You can't relax. Because, because the talk has been cheap, but the living hasn't been authentic. And so this is where we find ourselves. Now, I, I wanna look at the ways that we can, we can respond when we're confronted with the light of Jesus. Like when we're confronted, I think there's some responses here. And so I wanna look at this. Do we have the, the, the graphic up here? Bingo, there it is, all right? So this is what we call the repenter quadrant. We use it if you're, if you're a leader in here and you've been through H3, like you've probably seen this at some point. Um, if you haven't been to H3 or been part of covenant membership, I would urge you to do it, it's awesome. Um, but you have these axes, right? You have apathy and conceal contrasted with confession and action. And so there's four real ways to address it when we're confronted with the light of Jesus. And he's exposing those areas to us. Like, like I think we flow in between these four pretty often. I don't think we just live in one of these. We may have a tendency to, but, but look here. Look, look at what this is. So we have the first one is the talker, right? So he's in the confession and apathy section. And he's quick to talk about sin, but slow to turn away from it, right? Um, so this would be the person that is quick to confess, um, maybe, to their, maybe to their leader, maybe to their small group, um, uh, even, even maybe a little bit of a, a GC level, um, but they're apathetic when it comes to actual action, Right? Like, I know what my sin is. I can talk a lot about it, but, but they're quick to say where they struggle. They're, they're quick to recognize that life is messy, but when it comes to actually bearing down, they just don't want anything to do with that. They don't turn away from sin. There's no life happening there. And this is the person that you can meet up with at Monmouth, you know, for six straight weeks, and they confess the same thing over and over again. Just, oh, no, and there's no movement away from that. There's no movement. And listen, I got, listen, that's so, like, like, we're gonna be there sometimes, right? If we make it a habit of living there, it's gonna, it's gonna lead to a lot of bondage. 
So we have the talker. Second one is the hider. And this person um, is exactly what it sounds. They like the talker. Oh, I got those kind of mixed, sorry. Am I right? Oh no, I was gonna go to the fixer next. I lost my notes. Let's go there, that's good, thanks. Perfect. Um, like this is gonna be the person that's concealing their sin, but they're gonna take some action on it, right? This is what we would call the Lone Ranger. So I'm gonna, maybe I've got a pornography addiction. Maybe I've, I've got an addiction to, to medication. Maybe I've got something going on in my life. Um, and so they install a filter uh, on their phone or their laptop. And, and maybe they're even trying to read books on, on what it means to pursue healthy sexuality, but no one in their life knows it. No one in their life knows where they struggle and they are trying to fix their sin on an island. And the worse, the worse things get, the worse they get, the more this person turns inward and not outward. Like this is what we call the fixer. I'm just gonna do, I'm gonna do it on my own. I can accomplish it. And listen, this is where I often find myself. This kind of to be real for a second. As a pastor, apparently you're not supposed to struggle. Didn't know that. Um, but as apparently as a pastor, like I can find myself falling into this really, really quickly. It's like, I don't want people to know. I'm up here preaching to y'all. I gotta have it all figured out. And for so many years of my life, it was like, I'm just gonna clean this up. I'm gonna do this myself. I'm gonna make sure I'm okay all by myself. And the reality is I wasn't okay. There were nine and a half months of my life in a basement apartment of my brother-in-law's house where I was wondering, man, is God even real? I just tried to do it on my own. So we need other Christians. We need other people in the battle with us. The third one is the hider, okay? This person conceals sin by not engaging community. We, we live a secret life. We're apathetic about sin, but we're also hiding it, right? So, that, so then there's no real community in this person's life or they're just shutting it out. Um, they'll go to a certain level, but to go past that, there's a lot of fear and anxiety that if I was to either reveal myself, what are people gonna think of me? Or are they just gonna turn their back on me? And, and the more that this happens, the more we conceal sin, the more it weighs down on us. And we just continue to hide. We continue to bear the burden. We don't really wanna do anything about it. And so we just kind of go inward. Now, those first three, I want you to recognize real quick, they're all faux community. There's like real no community around that. That's why so desperately we want you both to be here, to be a part of a local body, but also to be in a smaller group because it's easy to come here, to sit, to get talked at, but when we gotta do the hard work, like that's when the gospel becomes ever-present and beautiful in our lives. And lastly, like look here, the, the repenter right? Dun, 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 the last one, yeah, that's where we should be. We're regularly confessing sin in community and actively turning from sin to Jesus. We have a right view of who God is. We have a right view of who Jesus is. And listen, this is the beauty of what the gospel enables us to do. Though we may float in these other three, the gospel always brings us back to this life where we experience abundant freedom. We experience real life and full joy. Like Jesus tells us we can find when we repent and we turn to him through the gospel, we find real life. Because I'm not hiding. 
I have good community around me and, and listen, I have people in my life. And so listen, I think there are two groups of people in here tonight like that are here. The, the, there's a person who's like, man, I believe Jesus. Like I've been following him. It may be broken sometimes. Like this is the command for you. Walk in the light. Like walk in the light. You should care about this. Like you should care about fighting sin and confessing it regularly and repenting of it and having people in your life. This is what God enables us to do. Like we should be overjoyed that he's allowing us to do this because he's moving us more and more to the character of Christ. Like this is what we're called to be. And if you don't care about that, maybe you need to find one of us after service and go, hey, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't feel great about this. Like find us, talk about, bring big people in. And then I think there's a person who's just like, I don't know. Like somebody tricked me to come here tonight. It was a good trick because I'm here and I haven't left. You, you yell enough, but you're still like, I don't know about this Christian thing. And that's the beauty of the gospels. We don't have to figure it out when we come into church, right? Like it's the beauty of this thing. Because God's not sitting there going, oh no, oh no. Like he's drawing you in and, and you're going, why should I even care about walking in the light? Like, what does this even have to do, man? I'm doing just fine, on my own, hiding. I, it's gotten me this far. But, but let me really ask you, are you experiencing a lot of joy in your life? Like, is there a lot of freedom there? Like, I think this is what faith in Jesus is. Like, this is simply the gospel. The gospel finds us out. Like it exposes all those areas and bids us come and then wraps us up. Like this is, this is the thing about the gospel. You don't have to make yourself into something. He does that. Like 2 Corinthians says, he makes us a new creation. Like he does those things and it's an opportunity to be loved for, cared for. And so if you're, if you're one of those people that's in the life like, and you're being entrusted with that confession and repentance, how great a responsibility that is, how beautiful that is. And if you're the one that needs the encouragement to go, hey, who are the people in your life that you're close to that you can begin to walk on this journey with? And maybe it's a simple thing as, I don't know if I believe this stuff. I don't know. I'm really struggling here. And, and give that real church a chance to come around and be community. When we live lives, we're walking in the light. Listen, there are a couple results that the Bible mentions here. One says at the end of verse seven, we have fellowship with one another. A true, real, meaningful friendship. Friendship that doesn't run when things get hard, but rather engages the hard and strives for growth. I am not interested in, in being a part of a place that just loves to go an inch deep in a thousand different places. I wanna be a part of a, a, a people, I wanna be a part of a ministry that we wanna go deep and we don't run from those things. Why? Because God never ran from that. 
that God comes in like, like here's the thing, when we surround ourselves with people that are, that are striving to walk in the light, like it's like if two rooms, if one room and they have adjacent doors, right? And one room has the lights on and you open that door, what happens to, what happens to the dark room? What? The light comes through, right? Like the darkness doesn't invade where the light is. When we surround ourselves with people that are pursuing pursuing light, like that's gonna be the natural outcome of it is we're gonna begin to walk in the light. Like God embraces that and engages that and the darkness flees from it. That's the beautiful thing about light is that it overcomes darkness. And there is a risk to opening up to that kind of fellowship. Like some of you guys may be in this room and you're like, man, I got hurt by the church really bad. And I hate that for you. Like I hate that. I grieve for that. Because the risk that we take when we go into community is like we're gonna be met with the gospel. We're gonna be met with grace and we're gonna be met with, hey, let's go hard after Jesus. The second is this, we rest in the fact that we're covered. Look at the second part of that. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. Like we rest in the fact that we're covered. We rest in the fact that we're covered. The closer that we walk to the light, the more aware we are of our sin and the more we cling to the finished work of Jesus. The more we are desperate in need of that. Not our ability or the perception, but to the truth that he covers once and for all. This is the gospel. Listen, this is why Christians, you should be the least arrogant, most approachable people on the planet. It's because we didn't do anything. We should be engaging our campuses. We should be engaging the people around us because we have nothing to fear because Jesus covers it all. All your sins at the cross were future sins. He covers every one of them. It's the beauty of his grace and his mercy is that we get to grow more in his likeness. So here's my practical points for tonight. I wanna end with this stuff. Be where you're at. I think the tendency so often is to spread ourselves out on so many places. So we go to this ministry and we go to this church and we're part of this Bible study and we're going to meeting with these people and we spread ourselves out to all these places and what the tendency could be is we go an inch deep in a hundred different places but nobody knows us. Like be where you're at. And if this is the place, man, go head on in. Like I look at some of the faces out here that have been a part of this place for three or four years and I recognize the struggles they have gone through and I see the people sitting next to them that have walked with them through those struggles. And they would say, man, it was a risk for me to go. It was a risk for me to plant my feet where I was. But man, this happened and I don't think I'd ever take it back as hard as it was. And listen, if this isn't the place for you, like I'm not interested in building my kingdom. I'm interested in the kingdom of God going forth. And if that's another place, be there. Be known. Bring that 1% into the light so you can be known. And secondly, who in your life is that confidant? Who's that person that is close to you 
that you can begin to, you shouldn't be blabbing this stuff on social media, right? <laughs> the deviances of my heart, just all for everybody to see. But there should be people in your life who are like, hey man, can, can, I, can I share something with you? And if you're that person, you've been entrusted with something beautiful. You've been entrusted with something that the Lord has said is holy. Walk with people in that. Walk slowly and patiently. Light enables confession, both of who Christ is as Lord and Savior, and it also frees us to live in that repenter portion of the quadrant. Light allows us to properly assess ourselves and sin, and it leads to a lifestyle that has renewal and refreshment written all over it. Like this is the joy of the gospel. This is what God's calling you to. Not earn your way up here. Hide just enough, be compartmentalized just enough, and then work your way up to the mountain so I can be pleased with you. No, 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 no. Light enables me to go after Jesus. I lived that life for so long. It almost led me to a place where I, it led me to a place where I didn't want to be. And listen, that's 20 years ago. And this is the end of that story. It's still brokenly hard for me to do that. Like it's still really, really difficult. But you know what? In those moments where I've let people in and I can call my friends, I can get on the phone with Reuben and I can talk to him about anything. Like that's freeing for me. Because like, man, how can I pray for you? How can I enter in with you? How can we do this thing together? Like this is the beauty of what God has called us to. Jesus is not into you trying to earn favor. So wherever you are, the Lord has you there. Be there. Be present and be known for your good and his ultimate glory. Let's pray. God, I'm so grateful for tonight. So grateful for the opportunity to get to open your word with my brothers and sisters, man. Those who've been walking with you for a while, those who are wrestling with what the gospel means and those who are are coming into this thing, Lord, I pray, God, tonight that you would let us see the beauty of what the gospel calls us to, that there is this area where we can actually be known fully. Like this is the beauty of what you are restoring, that one day we will know you and we will be fully known. And God, you've given us a glimpse into that right now. And so I pray as a ministry, this would mark us, but more importantly, as men and women, like this would mark us, that we wouldn't feel like we gotta hide or put on a facade, but that even in the midst of struggles and victories, we can be authentically living before you. God, will you do that in our GCs as they meet tomorrow and Thursday? Will you do that in our dorm rooms and in our houses and in our sororities and fraternities We allow us to have those places we can enter in. God, by your grace and for your glory, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Hey, we're gonna gonna enter into time of just response through worship and we're gonna sing a couple more songs. And if you need prayer tonight, like there's a light back there, there will be some people back there that would love to enter in to prayer with you tonight. Just begin to take that first step, direct you in the right place. And if you haven't, committed to a GC on a Wednesday or Thursday, man, find some of our leaders. They'll be out in the lobby or just ask somebody and they'll point you in the right direction. So let's stand and let's sing and let's engage Jesus here.